Welcome to the Elite Game Developers Podcast. Podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. I'm your host, Joaquim Makren. Today, I'm talking with Kalle Mäkinen and Arni Linnakangas, the co-founders of Super Plus Games, the makers of Hills of Steel. Their journey into game entrepreneurship and the experiences so far are quite exciting. Today they will share how they approach game creation with a small team and also continuing on the success of their hit game. All right, Kalle and Arni, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Hey, let's start off with a really like general topic of how did you get into the game industry and what's the story behind like how you how you ended up being entrepreneurs nowadays well i have always like played games but when i was something like teenager i also wanted to make them so i started with like practicing programming and some art and uh, got a degree in programming and uh, i think it was 2004 i got my first job uh, in a company called digital chocolate uh, that kind of started my, my, my things, but soon, like when I did the programming work, I realized that I, I started to coordinate all the stuff that is happening around me. So some people asked me like, do you notice what you are actually doing? And I was like, what you always like, you manage all, all kind of things around you. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I do. So I, I, uh, noticed that, uh, maybe programming isn't kind of my, my thing, but uh, I became as a producer and I was doing producing work for quite, quite many years, something like 30, 40 games as a producer. So uh, that is kind of my, my background mostly. And now, of course, with Superplus Games, uh, which is our own company, I'm the CEO now. Yeah, so uh, it's the same for me. I always, always kind of loved, loved uh, playing games. And when I, I think I was eight or nine years old when I, uh, there was this uh, program called Click and Play, which you could make really simple games with. So I, I tried to make a ski jumping game with it. Of course failed, but um, they, it kind of sparked an interest in like creating stuff like that. So I graduated to Quake level editor and uh, Half-Life level editor. And when I was like, uh, I guess 15 or 16 years old, I started like practicing programming. And uh, then, uh, Fast forward some some years, I, I got into a computer science program here in uh, Helsinki, in the University of Helsinki. And after that, I uh, I was looking for summer jobs, and I, I noticed that Robio had like uh, summer training positions, and uh, I applied. And to my surprise, I got the got the place, and uh, the rest is history. School kind of faded away to the background, and I and I continued making games. So yeah. Here we are. Yeah, that's a pretty good kind of like growing up with computers all around and playing with the computers and then ending up doing games as a living. That's what we basically all did at some point or another. Hey, Kalle, can you talk about the digital chocolate career that you had? Was like 
you had basically the the smartest games people around you there who went on to yeah. found Supercell and things like that. Can you can you tell a bit about the story there? Like how what kind of things did you pick up from those guys? Uh actually many things. Like uh, I could talk about this for hours, I guess, but uh uh some key things. Well at least one thing is that uh execution was really uh playing like big part there. So Everything was about execution and we were pretty good at that. So we were always doing stuff like all the time. When one game was finished, we started another one. So there was this constant flow of doing stuff. That's at least one thing that I learned. Then also like uh, responsibility. That is like one key value that I always like uh, appreciate. Like uh, in digital chocolate times, I think like that was also whatever you do, you have to care about what you do. So, so that's at least two things that I, I can bring on the table now. Yeah, that's nice. How about Arne, you, when you went to Rovia, did you kind of like, how was the first like taste of the game industry? Um, that's a really great question. Uh, I, it was uh, kind of different than what I had expected. It was a lot more... Uh, suddenly you're in an environment where everybody's so creative and like loves the same things as you do. It was kind of a positive shock in many ways, I, I think. And uh, yeah, Rovio had such a, I, I always liked the feeling that we had in the, in, inside the studio. There was a lot of, a lot of good people there and the creative atmosphere was just awesome. So I kind of, kind of wish that I can like, Keep that with me always, wherever I go. It's awesome. Like, uh, like, kind of like when you guys were working in the game industry already, you had like this kind of like a uh, big company behind you there, You're, like having a really good team there, and and then you start thinking about founding your own company. Like, what was the thing there for? Like going into entrepreneurship for both of you and eventually like going into funding super plus games? Uh, really good question. I, I think like at least personally, I can say that I, I have always had this dream of having uh, own company. So I think that was the main driver, definitely. Uh, and I'm having uh, this kind of vision that uh, we could actually, we could actually do it, but it didn't happen like this. Uh, for example, me and Arnie, I remember we had like lots of discussion about this. Uh, are we ready for this? And how do we actually do it? And uh, how, what is our way of doing it? So it wasn't like uh, that call wasn't made in, you know, in, in one night or anything like that. But we, it lasted for weeks and weeks before we actually decided to do it. Yeah, it's kind of a thing. Um, it's super I, I guess it's super satisfying to like uh, build something from the ground up and it's super empowering and it, it's it's a learning experience that you can't really have anywhere else I think it's just going through all the like setting up all the processes and making an actual product with a new team well I mean we have we had made products before but there there's so much like uh support in a bigger company and you kind of don't always know what you're missing when you when you go out and you do something on your own so it's a it's a super valuable learning experience 
and now the company is like four years old, right? Yeah. yeah. You and and you had major success already with the game. Uh, how many people are you now, and what 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 are the game download numbers looking like? Uh, for Hills of Steel One, we have now twenty three million downloads, and uh, our team size is ten people at the moment. So pretty small team. Yeah. So talk about like your game idea creation process and how do you come up with your games? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's no like really like uh, the process. Process is an interesting word to use for what, what yeah. the game, game idea creation is for us. And actually this might sound really stupid because maybe because it is stupid. I don't know. But, but uh, sometimes, for example, I, I dream a lot. So I... Like actually, some of the games are actually I, I've been dreaming during the night, and when I wake up, I you know write notes. And some of the game concepts are actually uh, coming out of out of that process. Process, but uh, but of course, like uh, well, uh, I think like in general, like uh, getting the ideas is actually pretty easy. Like it, that, that's not the problem. How to get ideas? Like uh, we have like tens of of or hundreds of ideas for games, that, that's the easy part. But the hard part is how to actually execute those ideas well and how to make uh, unique games and actually bring the money back and so on. That, that's the hard part. And, and there is no, I think, there's no easy way of doing that. You just have to start doing it and test it and test it and test it and yeah. test it until it works. Try to validate everything early on. Yeah. So actually makes sense to make something. Yeah. It's like... Uh... Before he also steal your success game, you had an, a first game for the company out. Uh, what did you learn from that game? Can you talk about it a bit? That, that was almost like a bit like painful <clears throat> experience because uh, the first game, Retrosoft, was uh, uh, honestly saying like a flop. So, uh, so of course, like when that happened. We had to kind of uh, reconstruct ourselves, so had to look in the mirror that what didn't go right and how do we, what do we do now? So, so uh, or should we just you know give up? But uh, we are fighters; we don't give up. So, uh, so uh, and this thing called Sisu, which is like uh, also like being discussed in everywhere. I, I think like at least I like to think that we have that Sisu and uh, we decided that, okay, hey, let's be more clever, let's do this again, and let's be better, and let's validate earlier, and, uh, and we, can, we can make it. So uh, Retrosoft was a really like good learning for us, a bit painful, of course, but uh, I think we have put that in the past, and oh, yes, we yes. <laughs> decided to make things better. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like you... more about not like, uh, not, uh, it's... It was a good learning experience in terms of like processes mm. that we should have. Like we should probably not build something kind of with the blinders on mm -hmm. for so long. We should like test test things earlier and and not make like any any compromises in in the design and be be like actually honest. Is this gonna actually work or not? So yeah, painful but a really good learning experience. So then you you managed to pull off the the second like side scrolling vehicle hit game from Finland. 
uh, after uh, hill climb racing, there hasn't been there has been a lot of tries from people who tried yeah. out that kind of format without the success that you guys have seen. How do you think? Like what? What? Like what went into that uh, work that actually led to you guys having that possibility to actually have that many downloads and everything? I think we hit like a good spot in the market where it's familiar enough for like players of maybe hill climb racing or not, and but it's like there's the added benefit of guns and tanks, which uh, it, it it's kind of a different game. Like it. At first, it kind of appears that it's the same genes and stuff, but it it really like goes to another direction with the with the action gameplay that it has. And it's anyway, it's more about shooting than driving in the end. So it's uh, yeah about the game. Uh, how we actually ended up doing that concept was actually <laughs> there's no like beautiful story behind it. Uh, Honestly, saying how it went was that we were actually thinking about making a car game, uh, more like destruction derby type of game and top down. But we realized that hmm, maybe we don't want to make a car game. How about if they are not cars but they are tanks? Okay, now that they are tanks, how about changing the perspective from top down to this side thing? Oh yeah, that that actually that sounds good. So let's make a prototype, and then we had it. So yeah. that that was kind of the story and. This whole thing happened within like a few hours. Okay, what was the feeling there when you had the prototype that was like side-scrolling and was shooting? What was the feeling there? We were really excited. That, hey, this is actually really fun game to play. Wow, we have something here. It was really magical moment. Uh, we just started working on it more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from, it, from that moment, it was... And fun. actually, people don't know, but that was our side project. So we, we had a kind of like main project at that point. We, this was just like a side thing that we want to try out. Maybe it doesn't work out, you know, but let's try it out. And and suddenly like we stopped everything what we were doing and just focusing on this one. It was a good call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like and then you 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 went out with the game with a, a publisher or was the was it the self-published? How did that go? So for Hillsteel One, uh, uh, around around Shiro is the publisher, which is like kind of Fingersoft's like a publishing label, you could say. So yeah, uh, of course, like the audience was so similar with hill climb racing games. So uh, they made a test with our game. So they were showing out of our game uh, within like hill climb racing and. And so many people wanted to download our game, so it was a kind of match made in heaven in a way. Wow. So, so it was good marriage, and still is. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about a bit about like this kind of like when you had the first game and it wasn't going anywhere, and like you guys had left your day jobs and there was no safety of the paycheck anymore there, and like. You probably scared a bit there uh, in some parts. So, how did you like get over those early days of dealing with the the kind of pressure and these scary situations? Well, like, we all had like some savings, and there's of course. Uh, I, I think in Finland it's really easy to sh- set up a company, and so it, there isn't kind of a safety net, but there's a lot of safety nets. I feel like in Finland for uh, 
entrepreneurs to try try new things. So I, I think uh, I think yeah. I don't know. Do you have it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, to me, like uh, having this kind of inner feeling that uh, even though we kind of fail, that uh, uh, we are not gonna like uh, fall too heavily. So so everything will go fine in the end. I, I don't know, <clears throat> but yeah, there's yeah. I, I I guess it's some sort of like confidence in the end. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, that's what I've always felt as well, that you don't really fall that hard down if everything goes like, what is the worst that can really happen? Like, exactly. you run out, Yeah, you run out of money and then you do something else. Exactly, yeah. So, but like, you guys are pretty smart. Uh, you know how, like, you can do stuff with computers, whatnot. <laughs> like, you could do a dozen different things than doing a games company. So why are you, why are you doing games companies now? I think it's the for me it's the perfect blend of like technology, art, and like human factors. So all, all of this is in a beautiful mixture of kind of a yeah. That that's why I create games anyway. It's like the like the expression of art and technology in an interactive manner. And then then when you're an entrepreneur, you you have all the human factors in it and uh, building building new things from the ground up. So. You get to kind of use all of your your good qualities here. Yeah, for me, like I like building stuff, so so that's the keyword for me. Like uh, building the team, building the games, building the business. Uh, that that's kind of my main driver. Let's go into talking about like running the company. Like you you guys have now grown to a team of ten people. I guess uh, what was the kind of like the moments when you hired your first employees? What was the the thought process that you went through there. Yeah, I, I, well, our first hire was so good. So the, so the feeling was most like, oh my God, this is amazing that uh, uh, we really want to work with this person. But uh, of course, like there was this sense of proudness as well, because of course, like uh, we want to, you know, give jobs to people as many as possible. And so definitely this kind of proudness as well, and this kind of like broader kind of society type of thinking. Uh, do you have something to add, maybe? No, no, I think that's that's uh, you, you you touched on the most important parts of it. How about like when you bring on people, uh, you need to kind of start thinking about, hey, there's a salary we're going to be paying. Uh, how did you manage your finances early on? Because I think that's something that first-time entrepreneurs can a bit struggle with. Yeah, well, we have two small kind of seed investments, but uh, I think it's not that far away to say that we have kind of bootstrapped our company with Hill Steel because our like seed funds are they're pretty small, so. It kind of helped in the beginning, yes, but uh, mostly we are kind of like uh, doing stuff with our revenue. And that has been kind of main things that we don't want to, you know, just aim to focus, like uh, raise lots of money and then just go with that. But we, want, we wanted to get a company where we can actually generate revenue as fast as possible. It took like uh, two years, so that was a bit too long time, but... 
it happened. So yeah, I've been happy for two years now. So when did you guys know that you're going to be, you know, in a safety zone that you can take a salary yourselves? Uh, I think we started doing that uh, with the seed investments already. But definitely like uh, after we saw that Hill Steel One is, is doing, doing well. So definitely continue doing that and then hiring people. But yeah, yeah, the seed investment that it helped in that, that field. Yeah. So, uh, like now that you have a team in place, you must be discussing like what the team wants and what you guys want. What is the kind of the ambition level of where the company is going? Do you discuss the future of the company a lot? Like, what are those discussions like? We do discuss, but uh, like being honest, like um, we should do that uh, even more that, than we do. That that's bigger, a bit like a fail like like at, at least i feel that uh, we should do that more but we we do that and we do have a kind of bigger vision uh, and that is kind of building pvp games to mobile and with every title we try to uh, increase our ambition level so making like bigger and bigger and better games uh yeah that is that is kind of kind of our thing What do, you, do you have something to add? Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, it's more of an ad hoc discussion. Usually, they're uh, been probably thinking that maybe there should be some sort of a more, not maybe formal, but like uh, more in the process of all the company company matters. There probably should be like more more discussion about the future. If if we reflect a bit on the past, like what what has been the biggest learning from starting a games company? I think definitely uh, that you need to uh, not only think about art and tech and design and, and marketing, customer support, community finance, but about all of them. And thinking like what is the most relevant thing at the time. So because with small team, you cannot do them uh, all with like 100%, but you have to think like what is relevant at the time. But still, you have to think about all those factors because you you need them all at some level. Because I, I think like m- many Indies, they only think about maybe one thing, art or technology, but they forget marketing, they forget finance, they forget community or something like that. So that that can really slow down the process if you don't cover them all, you know, in some at least some level. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, uh, it's the fact that, especially if it's your first rodeo, you should like uh, get something done like pretty fast and like validate that it actually works and then pivot if it doesn't like and try to at the same time take all the learnings you can from that. So don't build a game that takes a year to make and then kind of if it fails, then your company is probably going to fail like work for two weeks and start testing. So that's probably that, what my yeah. biggest learning from uh, founding our, our company. Is. That's actually a really good point. I, I see many companies there as their first game, it takes like three years to make, which is like, it, it's super nice to see that people are ambitious, which is that, that's like positive thing. That's a really good thing. But if the realistic like uh, 
situation where you are in, you cannot basically afford doing that. So if that fails, then what happens then? You are screwed. So yeah, definitely agree that. Yeah, and you get to you get to like see see if your team has all of the pieces. Are you missing any pieces? Mm, yeah. So when you go through the whole process really really quickly, you probably see if you're missing something that's actually essential for uh, to succeed. So you get to see if you have any blind spots in, in the inside the company and you get to patch those really quickly. Yeah, it's like uh, thinking about like a successful company and when you're early, you can't really, you don't really have anything. So going into like funding options, do you think it's even possible for, for a, a team to get funding without having a game out without numbers. How do you see that? Well, it, it's possible to get a funding without a successful game. Of course, it's easier if you have good metrics, so you can raise money uh, based on the metrics. But it's possible. Like uh, many companies are raising money with uh, if they have a good team, because <coughs> in the end. <coughs> Investors, they invest to the company and not, not to the project. But uh, so, yeah, it is possible to raise money without a successful game, but definitely it's more difficult. So you need to have a really good pitch. Yeah. If you can sell your team, but you don't have a game, <clears throat> you can probably succeed. Can you talk about your kind of experience when you were uh, going after the seed round? Was it like... A was it a slam dunk or did you actually need to meet like 20 investors before you found the right match? Uh, I think we didn't count, but definitely we uh, made lots of investors. Uh, it wasn't like slam dunk, definitely no. And, and looking back, I was personally like, maybe I still am, but, but definitely like back at those times, I was really bad pitcher. Uh, talking to investors, so I didn't still yet understand what they want and how they think, and so on. Now, now I think I have mother, much like better understanding how that world works than I used to have like four years back. Yeah, and it's also it's also not about the pitching all of it. Uh, it's more more about also to you, uh, can you work together with the investors? Are they the right match? Do you get, get along with them? And do they get along with you? And uh, it's like finding a right partner for yourself, so. And I want to, about the partner thing actually, so many companies seem to me that they are just focusing on raising money, but the money part is only one thing. Uh, when you uh, make a round, you actually you take a partner to your team, so it's also like a team member. And uh, not all the partners are are uh, well suited, maybe to all the companies. So you need to uh, find that good marriage in a way. So not only about money, but about networks and uh, maybe some other help, like legal help or marketing help or whatever advisors they can be really valuable to the company. If you guys would like go after another round of funding, uh, would you still look for people who have the experience in the games instead of going to talking to the very big investment funds who might not have the experience in games? 
Good question. <laughs> it, it is, yeah. I, I think like, uh, well, experience in games is a big plus, of course. But at the same time, like these corporate companies, they might even, they, they might have some other experience uh, also that can be valuable. So uh, I, I think it's not like black and white question. Uh, it, it, it can be yes or no. It depends on the company and, and on the partner. Yeah, that's a yeah. great answer. So uh, let's talk a bit about like your day-to-day work in the company and the, the culture that you're building with the kind of games you're making. Uh, do you spend time talking about the values in the company? Uh, we do, but it's more like organic. So whenever we do stuff, we try to uh, maybe highlight some of the values like uh, inside the discussion. But it's not like we have like PowerPoint presentations. These are the things. Well, maybe we have done that as well, but it's that's not uh, the main thing, but about uh, having those uh, values inside the discussions. So. Yeah. So the things that are actually, well, I was talking about responsibility, that's always main main driver for me. Because, you know, you maybe stupid example coming from my head, but when somebody spills coffee on the floor, uh, there are people who can walk past that. And then there are people who actually come and clean it, regardless if it's their coffee spill or not. So that, that's kind of a uh, really stupid example. But the, kind of is the heart of responsibility in a way. Yeah, there's yeah. interesting ways of thinking about the, the responsibility for, for people in a company because it's everybody, everybody's involved, everybody's in the same boat. Uh, yeah. Do you think that the staff uh, is involved in pitching game ideas, in creating what you guys are creating is games, like the, and as well the culture? Uh, is the whole staff involved? Yeah, I think absolutely, especially in a small team like us. There's only 10 of us, so like, absolutely everybody is, is involved in that. And, yeah. yeah. And actually, one uh, is maybe quite complicated subject, but uh, we actually, we don't have a game designer in our company, like at all. There's no person who is titled as game designer, because we kind of... Uh, approach it in a, a bit different way. Everybody's kind of doing game design. Of course, there are some principles that we have and that are important to the game, but uh, these kind of frames. But within those frames, I think the whole team kind of uh, invests in, in, into that. So everybody is doing, uh, thinking about what kind of features do the game actually need and, and how to make it better. So there's no like, you know, one person is, is the main designer and, and that's it so and that, that that's actually I don't know like most of the companies I guess have like lead designer and, and he writes the game design document bible but we don't we don't kind of have that yeah that's really interesting to, to kind of like have people working on the games who can wear several hats yeah yeah I, I've seen that work so well in like companies that try to keep the team small. Yeah. And of course, there it can 
sometimes it can be difficult also like that kind of approach. It's not like a, it doesn't fit to all the companies and to all the teams because it requires people wearing multiple hats and not all the people can, can do that. But luckily our, our team can, so you're happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just keep getting more people like that and you're going to do fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the kind of communication and like discussions and conversations going on in the company. Do you think that people should over communicate rather than just, you know, keep things like to minimum? Can I ask one question? Have you heard about the company that has gone down because of over-communication. No, <laughs> there's nothing like that. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, especially as a Finnish person, I think there's no such thing as an over-communication. So I think it, it just, it just helps to get, get, especially in a hectic environment, just as a game company, you, you need to communicate a lot to make sure that everybody's on board. Yeah. And like, yeah. it, it helps reduce any misconceptions you have about stuff that somebody says and it's it's just generally a good good thing to communicate a lot yeah often like if you don't do that what happens is that people are starting to make different game so so uh if you have a team of even like five people uh if they don't talk like uh, everybody's going to different directions and if, when you put that together it's not a good game So it needs to be done. Yeah, definitely agree with that. So uh, talking about the game industry, what is your big bet on where the mobile games market is going? And do you guys think that like, what will be the influence to your corner of the market where you are right now with the Hills of Steel? Personally, I think that there will be even more focus on personalization with with everything in in the games, and uh, of course, an increased. We're already pretty data oriented, but uh, I think that that'll just uh, keep keep getting more and more influential, and that of course uh, affects how we make games and what what kind of decisions we make early on, and what kind of features, and we might have like uh, different versions of the features like even more than we do now so i think personally just that the personalization will go even further yeah and also like uh uh game business used to be so that when you make a game you release a game you hope for the revenue then uh there's this concept of soft launching uh okay you soft launch a game you don't have all the features you do it uh, like light version of the game mvp even Uh, you test it out, uh, then you decide if you do a global launch or not. But I think that the next step is like even that same philosophy, but even further. So I think companies will do a more like even like just videos of the games and they test the videos like even before making the MVP and, and do it like that. Just my guess. And another thing what I, I'm seeing that bigger players are coming to the market, uh, like big IPs. So that can be, of course, for small companies, can be a bit like a, the competition is already really hard, but it it's, might be becoming even harder than it is now. 
do you think you'd uh, would there be anything that you'd want to change in in the game industry? How how people operate, how the market goes. Well, one thing might be that uh, there are not that many women in the. Maybe I don't know, especially in Finland. I don't yeah. know. That, that's one thing, like more women to the game industry. But uh, another thing yeah, is that, diversity uh, is, of course, yeah, diversity, uh, yeah. ongoing issue everywhere, mm. not just games, but like everywhere. But in ter- in terms of games, I think uh, maybe maybe like. If, if you have like games education, you should probably teach more about the business aspects. Although I, I think people are starting to kind of do that more and more. But um, so it might be kind of a kind of a harsh landing when you come to come to games and you've just been programming, but you don't know anything about like the how actual product development works in, inside the gaming games mm-hmm. industry. So. I would more incorporate more of that into into education, so people are not like in culture shock when they when they when they come to the industry, so so to speak. Yeah, and also like yeah, when you make games, you should also I think push yourselves to thinking like why are you making games and why are you making this specific game? So having this more like high level thinking, uh, which comes to that business thing that. Maybe yeah, education <clears throat> could could take have a role in that. <clears throat> great, great stuff, guys. I totally agree with those points. Like, let's go to some final questions here that I've asked all of the guests. So, can you name your favorite book and why? The Song of Ice and Fire, and that means all of the books. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I'm a huge nerd. So. That's that's mm. all. It's a, it's an awesome fantasy book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for me, it might be uh, Orwell's '84. Uh, uh, I think the how the world there is kind of described, and uh, it's always like um, that book. Just you know, it makes you think about so many things. Uh, I think that's and one of the recent ones. I really liked was the Hararis, this uh, Homo Deus, which uh, kind of tells a story about uh, human future, like how, where are we going as a species. That was really, really good book. Also, like uh, I like people who actually are able to think in a really like meta level. So they first think about something and then they think, why are they thinking about that? And then try to go as high as possible. So, biggest lessons learned at being a game startup founder so far? <laughs> <laughs> I already kind of kind of touched on this with the with the uh, validating everything faster and uh, kind of trying to trying to always take the data in because you will only ever have so much data and so much like uh, conclusions you can make with it. Uh, so try to try to be. Be as thorough with that as possible. Um, other lessons, and try to tick all the boxes. Like uh, not only thinking about art and programming, but uh, also about marketing, business, finance, everything. So that helps. 
So what keeps you up at night, like recently? Servers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's enough said. Yes, that wakes you up at night for sure. I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, for me, like I'm a really like product guy, so I always like uh, I play the game within my head, like that I'm making. So uh, trying to kind of think like what the game is missing and um, what could kind of solve the puzzle in a way. Uh, so that that does keep me awake sometimes. <laughs> so uh, final question. Where do you see the company going in five years? What's the, the mission and the plan? Uh, we will have a diverse portfolio of PvP action games with really beautiful art and an engaged community. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cheers to that. That's, that's my official. Uh, yes. That's great. That, thanks a lot, guys. This was super good. Uh, where, where can people find your games? And uh, can you tell a bit more about these uh, URLs and stuff? Well, our uh, main website is superplusgames.com. And uh, you can find our games at both... Uh, Google Play Store and App Store. Uh, so look for Hills of Steel and the upcoming Hills of Steel 2. And also Tap and Spin. And uh, yeah, I think that's all we'll say now. Yes. And more will come in the future. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Next week, we're going to be back with another interesting guest. And in the meantime, you could go and check out leakgamedevelopers.com, where you can find my book on building and growing a games company. And while you're at it, please hit subscribe on your podcast software so that we can let you know when there's new content coming out. We're going to be pushing out new episodes every week with interesting guests, so stay tuned for those. And make sure you subscribe. Thanks a lot, guys. See you next week. Bye-bye.